Hey everybody, welcome back to Double Shot, a sports podcast with yours truly, JP and Hector. What's up, Hector? What up, man? Been a been a long week. I'm just looking forward to the weekend, but we get a little bit of a little bit of sports uh, information today, which is what we'll talk about. We're gonna go over, obviously, try and catch up on the. Uh, are you caught up? Are you caught up on the last two episodes of the Last Dance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see. So I know uh, episodes five and six premiered this past weekend, and uh, that was uh, more of an emphasis on. I guess I'm starting to see um, the documentary really like coming together because you know it was portrayed as kind of like the like fully focusing on the last season. But right. now, since it got past the main characters, and now it seems like after that, now they're simultaneously going through the final season along with each championship year, and the kind of stuff that went through it as well, like with the with the Dream Team and the Pistons rivalry and the and the his gambling stuff and uh, just a little bit of just like what exactly was going on, and then his retirement, of course. I feel, dude, I have, first of all, I had completely forgotten. Like, I, like everybody knows that he was gone for that year, but I had completely forgotten about it until today. Because I just saw them today. But, uh, yeah, I was watching how, like, in that, was it the 93, 94 season? Um, when he starts talking about, like, if I'm here, if I'm, I may not be here or whatever. And I was watching and I was like, man, what the hell? I'm like, obviously he stayed. And I was like, oh, shit, no, he didn't. I forgot that he had left. But um, it also wasn't until today that, I noticed, and and I like. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm loving the way it's going. I know it's it's not exactly the way that they had described it thus far, um, but uh, I just I didn't notice until today how badly or not badly, but how many times they flash back. Like they were doing the all right. This is you know we're going into the finals here or whatever, and then they flash all the way back to 1993, the Eastern Conference Championship, and I was yeah. sitting there, and I was like, what? Why? Like. <laughs> we're about to get into the meat of it but and like i said i still enjoyed it i'm still enjoying it um but yeah there was this was the episode or at least one of them was the episode with the dream team and uh that was cool i didn't realize how many people had a had an issue with isaiah thomas like it wasn't just michael that that wasn't cool with him yeah it was um it was very strange kind of felt bad for isaiah thomas because i mean yeah he seems like a nice guy now yeah i mean i I mean i still i still think he's a shitty person but i kind of felt bad for him that uh it 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 kind of was in there just without like any sort of like reconciliation just kind of like (laughs) just like oh yeah here's a reminder that he wasn't invited to the best olympic team ever because everybody thought he was an asshole and then, like, and to make it worse, they interviewed him about it, and he was like, I had all the requirements, but I wasn't invited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except that he was a dick who always, like, made enemies. Like, I mean, there's it's, like, one thing, like, Jordan with, like, everybody who teamed up, like, obviously they played against each other in the NBA, but they were able to, you know, have a life off the court. But he was somebody who, who just, like, really really like stirred shit up and really made bad blood with everybody on and off the court and then of course they're not going to want to have him around the team if nobody if nobody likes him because like uh you see you see in the documentary that jordan when he's approached about doing the olympics he isn't like enthused about it his his first question is who's who's who else is going yeah who else playing yeah and so people only ask that in life scenarios whenever they decide that you know whoever they're going to be around that's going to decide if they want to go through with the plans or not and so yeah so it is definitely something that i don't i don't think that it was fully his decision but i think once it became evident that more and more people don't like him they just went forward with the decision to not invite him onto the team which i mean it must show that uh, I feel like either one or the other that the team either... Because um, remember, the coach of the team was Chuck Daly, who was his coach in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it makes me wonder, like, did did Daly, like, either... he One or the other, he either tried to go, try to go up to bat for him and try to 
uh, convince them otherwise, and it just didn't work. Where he was like, okay, fine, whatever, we don't have to take Isaiah. Yeah, like, I'm tired of that guy anyways. Because he wasn't, he wasn't, was he still coaching the Pistons at the time? Yeah, he was. I think, oh, okay. uh, let me see, because I think. Damn, uh, that's, that kind of sucks, that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, because I think, uh, I think he stayed with the Pistons up until he had retired. Let me, let me see here, head coaching record. Um, he was with the team. Yeah, he was with the team through '92. It looked. Oh, it looked like that summer was the summer that, was that last he. Year. Yeah, yeah, because it looked like that's uh, after that year, he went on to be the coach of New Jersey. So what I didn't get. What what, because, uh, that was the, was that the year before or after they beat the Knicks. That was. Uh, well, there were multiple years where they beat the Knicks. I th- well, I, think... I mean, but, uh, the reason why I ask is because in this episode I got kind of confused because while they were playing the Knicks, Magic Johnson was announcing on the sidelines for NBC, but then he was on the Dream Team. So I didn't know, like, was he just announcing, like, because he was in the off season and they hired him for NBC? Can they do that? Or was he, like, I, when was his last year that he played? Because the way that it looked was that, he didn't play. He was announcing for NBC, but then they called him to play on the Dream Team. Yeah, I think that would that may have been like one of their uh, one of their uh, like one of those things that they like jumping around like with the flashbacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think uh, when did he finish? He yeah he uh, oh no 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 that that did make sense because his last year was actually ninety one, and then. Yeah, because there's 91 was the first year that the Bulls won the title, and that was the year that they had to beat the Lakers to do it. And then after that, that's when he retired amid the whole um, HIV controversy. But then they did invite him back for the Olympics. That's badass. Yeah, and then then he played, like, a little stint again for the Lakers. He came out of... Not that many people remember, but he did come out of retirement for, uh, like during the 96 season but he only played uh like 30 games and that's a long break yeah yeah and he was still good which is pretty surprising like he's i mean it was clear that he had spent a few years off like he uh was was out of shape and was more of a big man than a point guard by that time but he was he was still played pretty decently yeah but um yeah so so yeah so it revolved around the dream team and I think, um, yeah, man, just with the whole Isaiah Thomas thing, it just, um, I don't really, I don't really blame them because it's, Isaiah Thomas is definitely one of those, because I know there's a lot of, like, like, missed, like, generations where, like, you know, we don't really understand how good a player is because we didn't grow up watching him, and Isaiah's definitely one of those players because what we know more about him was how crappy of an executive he is because mm-hmm. after he retired like it was like in the early to mid 2000s when he became an executive for the Knicks and he was and it was a total disaster he did he did not work out well at all with that team and then there was like and then in recent years there was a sexual harassment a lawsuit <laughs> against him and this is like he just that's why I said I don't really feel like I felt bad for his position in the documentary but him as a person I, I mean I don't really I don't really feel bad for him at all for that because I mean it was just kind of weird that he even accepted to be part of the documentary yeah and so I don't know I think uh and and you saw I don't remember if it was that episode or one of the previous episodes where uh where uh they show Michael Jordan a clip of him yeah. exp- explaining when he walked off the court, and then even before he watched it, Jordan was like, <laughs> you can show me whatever you want. You can't convince me he's not an asshole. Yeah. Well, and then in this episode, too, because they had asked him, I guess they asked him if he had a hand in you know, Isaiah not playing, and he was, and even in this episode, Mike was like, uh, no, I didn't say that he couldn't play. Like, Even though I hated him, and I still hate him, <laughs> he's like, I, I, I didn't say explicitly for him not to be a part of the team yeah exactly like he holds no he's not holding anything back he's like straight up about it i don't like the guy he's a piece of shit (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. And, uh, yeah, man, and then that whole Olympic run, especially, <laughs> it becomes, like, more and more, like, I, I did not see myself at the beginning of this documentary feeling more and more bad for Jerry Krause. Because oh, yeah. now, um, like, Jordan has made it very obvious that he's never going to give Krause his due for putting together a roster that had two, that had twice won three in a row. And a part of it, too, was uh, his, his love of Tony Kukoc. And mm-hmm. not just the fact that he liked him, but also the fact that whenever they were in the middle of contract negotiations with Scottie Pippen, that's when they um, started negotiating with Tony Kukoc. And they brought them both in, but at the time it kind of felt like they were already working on a plan to move on from him. And that's what kind of made them take offense to it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we know how it went after that. The, the Dream Team just beat the shit out of every team that they faced, including um, Kukoc and Yugoslavia. Twice. Yeah, I I actually think um, like I agree with that. Like I understand. Yes, obviously he formed the team, and and yeah, he 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 put them all together. He found the pieces. He was able to 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 win two three peats. But I agree when when Michael was saying. Well, first of all, I agree on the whole method of doing that with Kukoc. Like you have your your star, who you're saying, and almost everybody says that he's arguably the number two player in the league. And you're not. You're more worried about signing this other kid who's going to stay in Europe for two years, or had already been deciding to stay in Europe. Um, I get the whole attention shift. I would have been upset if I was one of those guys as well. Um, and then, but the one thing that I agree with the most is when I think it was in the first episode when Michael uh, he goes because Jerry Cross was trying to obviously trying to get his due and trying to get his credit. And uh, when he said that organizations win championships, yeah. And uh, and when Michael was like, I, I've I've never seen anybody from the organization out on that court like they're not sweating they're not playing the game like that i get like yeah he put it together but he was trying to act like they wouldn't have won anything without him you know what i'm saying yeah i mean it's kind of i mean it's it's on it's on both sides i mean jerry should not have been that obsessed with getting public credit even though i think he did deserve more than what he got because um it was not only the fact that he wasn't getting credit, but also the fact that, as we see in various clips throughout this documentary, it was the guy that everybody made fun of, and this, the guy that everybody, nobody took seriously, that everybody just gave him shit, just kind of like, he he was the guy that was at the end of everybody's joke, and, you know, which, I mean, which is funny, but in, in, Krause's, in Krause's mind, it's like, okay, but... I'm still your manager, so yeah. you don't shut the fuck up every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you. Was he the one on the? Because he's you could hear it, but it was off camera, where somebody asked uh, after they won that the three P. I think it might have been the back to back, but they asked Michael if he had a cigar, and they asked him to borrow it. And they were like, "Hey, let me have a cigar," and Michael looks at him and he's kind of looking down. So it. I think it might have been Jerry that he was talking to. Yeah. He goes, "No, nah, you can't have one. It'll stunt your growth." Yeah, exactly. That was <laughs> yeah, that was him. <laughs> like that was one of the happiest moments of Michael Jordan's life, and he still found time to fucking <laughs> like to talk down on his general manager. I know, man. He just he just he just didn't know when to stop. He was just an ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was fucked up. But um, um, so I, another thing I I also didn't know was how um how like obviously everybody knows Patrick Ewing and knows the caliber player that he was but I didn't realize how big how like close they were to taking that to taking that from the Bulls like they were up 2-0 and I love that whole thing that he went to Atlantic City and down 2-0 and then still came back and won that was awesome oh yeah yeah no that's uh, Patrick Ewing and those Knicks are definitely one of those teams that um is gonna get lost uh as the years go by and that I mean that's one of the things that I'm glad the documentary does is highlight how uh, big of rivals they were to the Bulls because um, yeah I mean it, I mean everybody knows the 90s as the time that the Bulls won six championships but they don't really remember a whole lot about the teams who are fighting them along the way like they may remember Utah because that was the last finals 
but like all the other teams, and like you can name them, you can name Patrick Ewing and Magic Johnson, Gary Payton, those guys, but you don't really get into how good they were because everybody just wants to glorify the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm glad that this documentary is at least serving the purpose of showing that it wasn't just clean sweeps, it wasn't just blowouts. Mm-hmm. It was like like this team like this team did win six titles and you know, obviously it's maybe the best dynasty there ever is, but I mean there was some there was some you know, there were some cracks along the way that, you know, if the right team came along they could have taken advantage of it and you know, they're pretty grateful that they were able to fight off everybody who came across their way. Yeah. Yeah, and and it another thing, well, no no, it's the same kind of concept, but they emphasize just how long Michael had to play before he won. Like he wasn't everybody like thinks about Michael Jordan, they think oh, undefeated in the finals, he must have been must have been the best record every year, best team every year. Like it took him what, 7 years before they won a title? Like yeah, because he was drafted in '83, I think, and they didn't win till '91. Yeah, that's it, and it's it's so it 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 kind of opens your eyes about all of that. Like it wasn't just a a clean sweep, like you said. It wasn't it wasn't an easy road every time. They had to they had to fight some really really good teams. Yeah, and and they kind of and it, they they talked about this more with the team that he had in the '80s, where. He wasn't really the kind of guy who really, especially when they talk about Phil Jackson being brought in as the head coach, it's like he wasn't really open to that kind of style of offense, like with the triangle that really embraced more um, distribution, more of a pass-heavy offense. Like he loved Doug Collins because Doug Collins let him just have the ball and do whatever he wanted to do. And if it stays that way, who knows how many titles he would have won. It could have been more, could have been less. But... um, yeah, so I think uh, it goes to show, too, that Michael just didn't have all the answers. He really did need to be shown along the way by guys like Phil Jackson and be supported by guys like Pippen and Rodman and Kukoc and those mm-hmm. those kind of guys. So if you... Yeah, I was talking about how... Because we were talking about uh, Isaiah and how badly he was at making relationships with players. If you could build a team of starting five... Uh, starting five for a team that was just gritty. I mean, you're you're gonna go out there every night with the idea of just pounding the pounding the competition. Who are your five throughout history? Oh shit, man, that's tough. Um, um, first person that comes to mind is Rodman. I want Rodman on my team no matter what. Mm-hmm. And then, oh shit, the grittiest. I mean, this is a perfect time to show to ask that question because all these '90s players are the ones that show like all of like the grit and kind mm-hmm. of uh, like not afraid to get physical. And even though those players are, and that was the time for them because you see in the 2000s and and this decade that um, you know there were a lot of valuable players that you know played that style, but it didn't really. It didn't really equate to championships. Like I can't remember the last gritty team to win an NBA title. Like whenever I think of like the most recent one, I think of the 2004 Pistons with yep, Ben with Ben and Rashid, and I, I, and that's what I was thinking about. It was like my next pick was probably going to be like Ben or Rashid Wallace or Chauncey Billups or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, shit, man, I don't know. Uh, as far as where it goes, I mean, because you have Rodman at, at what at the at the four. Either the four or the five, depending on who my other big man is. Um, I'd include Peyton in there. Um, you want to... F- yeah, I mean, might as well throw Jordan in there. Jordan, Pe- Jordan Peyton, uh, Rodman. Uh, I guess... Hmm. Who else? Who would make those physical kind of plays? Um, I mean, not Scotty. Scotty was like one of the best defenders, but he did it in more of like a finesse kind of way, more than like physicality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I definitely want to put Ben Wallace in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got Ben Wallace, Rodman, Jordan, Peyton, and then s- somebody at the wing to compliment Jordan. 
shit. Who would that be? Uh, f I don't know. I guess maybe Kobe. I don't know. Uh, shit. I don't know. What were you thinking? I I think I would go Ewing, Rodman. Um, as much as I don't like him, probably Draymond. Uh, Isaiah. And Michael. Yeah, I could definitely see the argument for Draymond and Isaiah Thomas. I mean, really, I mean, probably should be Isaiah Thomas in there because that's pretty much what he was known for on both ends of the floor. So, and Draymond, I can understand. But, man. I, and Mike was I, probably the, the, like, more, or, like, the less combative of that group. Yeah, no, he just beat the shit out of his teammates in practice never, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never in the game <laughs> and and mentally did you ever see that thing about what he had told Muggsy Bugs uh, uh, no, about how he like ruined Muggsy Bugs shot that apparently sorry excuse me that apparently um, there was a game where Muggsy was, was what the Hornets yeah yeah apparently there was a game where uh, they were the Hornets were down by two I think something like that and it was the waning moments of the game, and uh, Muggsy had the ball, and Jordan was was guarding him, but he guarded him a little a little loosely, and Muggsy was having the ball. He was about to hoist up a shot to to potentially tie or win the game. I can't remember which it was, um, but that uh, Jordan postured up like he he got out of his defensive stance, looked him dead in the eyes, and goes, "Shoot it, you fucking midget." <laughs> and then oh, Muggsy, yeah. and then Muggsy Bogues airballed it, and he was like, I, "I never shot the same ever ever again after that." Like the the kind of like mental attack that you do in the middle of like in the most important moment of the game, and and that's your plan of attack, and and it worked. Like it was crazy. The guy was crazy. Yeah, no, he definitely definitely took it way too far. Like he he <laughs> uh, he didn't really like. Uh, like he's definitely it's not getting into like the, the really like harsh details of how he was as a teammate just yet but I mean he was a guy who just didn't know when to stop like he had to be like he he was a type of guy who did be, he knew that he was the best and he did not he didn't accept he basically didn't accept that his teammates like or beneath him, I guess is the right way to put it, because he would be, he would be hounding them like, mm -hmm. not nonstop trying to get them to play on his level, yep. which made everybody else basically hate going to practice because it's like, okay, great, here's now it's time <laughs> that that Jordan is just gonna just gonna run his mouth for next two three hours, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, man, and he and he definitely like took that obsession of like beating people off the court too because then it goes into the the last episode it goes more into like his gambling mm -hmm. it goes uh more into the like golf shit like you would bet on everything there was like videos yeah. of them betting on on how how close to the wall i, I this is what i think they were betting on because you can't even tell what they're betting on but it looked yeah. like it was like, how close can I get this coin to the wall without touching the yeah. wall? Like, yeah, that was <laughs> Jesus it. Jesus Christ. That was it, yeah. Yeah, he was Yeah, he was betting against one of the security guys. Yeah. In this, they just make up their own fucking games. Yeah. And then, like, I think, who who was the one who said it? Somebody said it. I think maybe it was Paxson or somebody, but he was describing how there was Jordan's side of the plane where they were betting like hundreds mm -hmm. thousands of dollars and then there was Paxson's side of the of the plane where they were just betting dollars yeah. and then and then Jordan comes by asked to play and he's like why do you want to play with us he's like cuz i want to have your money yeah cuz i uh, want your money in my pocket yeah Damn. i was like dude just like you really really need to dial it down a bit yeah. <laughs> And then his thing was like, because they kept asking him, like, do you have a gambling problem? Do you have a gambling problem? And, uh, I mean, to a certain extent, he's right. He was like, no, I don't have a gambling problem. Like, he's like, I have a competition problem. Like, I just completely want to compete about everything, anything and everything. And I get that. And honestly, like, it's really easy to say, oh, yeah, he's got a gambling addiction. He's got and to a certain extent, that's that's true. But then also, it's like, dude, it's his money. Like, he, he never went broke. Like, he didn't. 
And he does mention it too. He's like, if I had a problem or something, I'd be starving, or my kids would be starving, my wife would be starving. He's like, I'd be trying to pawn my watch off, or I'd be trying to, to bet on it, on, and like bet on my shit, my belongings. He's like, I don't yeah. have a problem, not with gambling, just with competition. I get yeah. That. He said that with those with those uh, sunglasses on indoors. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Man, but no, it just um, it uh. And then it was that, and I guess, like, this, like, this last episode was kind of the most that we get get into, like, how controversial he was as a person. I, I doubt it gets much worse than this, because, I mean, there was the, they they talked more about the book that went into detail about his gambling, and then it went into detail about how he was asked to endorse Harvey Gant, a, a, a Democrat. Yeah, a Democratic uh, senator from North Carolina who was going up against um, what was it? Was, he was like an outright racist. Like they, they in his interviews, he he yeah he, like didn't use he didn't pull any punches like that. He was using the terminology. He was he was racist. He was crazy. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. The guy's name was Jesse Helms. Yeah, and he go. was yeah, and he was he was a flat out racist. Like there was. Like, no argument about it, and uh, he, after he won the election, he said that there was no joy in Mudville, Mm -hmm. which is, yeah, how to describe the black demographic, and he also, it didn't go into it on the episode, but you look him up, and he said that the Civil Rights Act was, like, the most dangerous piece of legislation ever brought to this country, and... Yeah, and so, and then he, uh, which is kind of the thing where you can start telling that that this was the part where Michael Jordan started just, like, jumping around and logic and reason to try to make it fit for him. And he wasn't really making it, as, he wasn't really being a consistent person because, I mean, he was, I mean, he was making the argument that he wasn't a political person. He wasn't an activist. He didn't get into any of that. He just wanted to focus on being a basketball player. Mm-hmm. And but um, he says that um, he says that even though like he is ups- like I mean and rightfully so he's getting so many endorsements, has so many business ven- ventures. Like he he's making the time for other things, and all he had to do was say that he supports this guy. Like, it doesn't really, it doesn't yeah, really... Yeah, because then the other thing was that he was like, and I contributed so many thousands of dollars and made a contribution to his camp and stuff, then, like, why why not say it? Yeah, yeah, and so, um, yeah, he didn't want to put it out there because that's where the whole uh, controversial quote comes from, Republicans buy sneakers, too. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's where he starts showing that he is really, like, he, he was a lot more about his money through than people thought like through his business through his gambling like i mean it i doubt it gets much into it in the documentary but he does also have an obsession with trying to be as rich as possible mm-hmm. and um cuz he you know he was afraid that racists would not buy his stuff anymore and it's like why should, why should you care i mean this guy is a, yeah. this guy is a straight up racist and like, why the you fuck do you want the fucking people in their Ku Klux Klan fucking robes and and Jordans on their feet? Yeah, marching ex- through ex- North Carolina. Exactly, exactly. And so he tries to say like, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a political person. Like I respect other people for doing it, but that's not me. It's like we weren't asking you to do that. We were just asking you to be out against this racist guy. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't even do that. Like. If there was any election, any race where he could have done it and be safe, this was the election, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he still couldn't do it. And then, like, it gets more into like, uh, he starts answering like more about like his character and like what it says about him that he wasn't able to do so. And then he gets into like talking about how if he had the chance to go back to um, and like do anything differently he would try he would he wouldn't try to be anybody's role model he would tell people mm-hmm. to not think of him as a role model mm-hmm. 
Which is absolute bullshit because, <laughs> because like half of his endorsements were about convincing kids to buy Gatorade and mm-hmm. all that other, and McDonald's and all that other shit that he was that he was endorsing. It's like, no, you know, you wouldn't have done that. You know, yeah. you would have you would have done things exactly the same because you didn't want to be you didn't want to be seen as anything other than a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, if that's how the way you want to live, then sure, but don't try to rewrite history to make yourself look like a good person i i can't um i can't like i you don't realize like that one moment where he's in his hotel room and and he tells the camera crew he's like this is all i do like just sit down tv or sit down on my couch and watch tv and then uh they start talking about how like dude i can't fathom stepping out of my house and just 24 7 being surrounded by crowds like that, yeah, and there, yeah, there's a whole like, oh, what was me? Whatever, you're rich, fuck off. But still, dude, that that shit can like, that that can like deteriorate your mental state. Just comp- never having any time to yourself. Yeah, yeah, and then he never really, and he was the type of guy like I think, as going leading up to his career, I think like up until he started gaining the titles, he was that kind of guy that tried to stop for everybody, and. I can only imagine how exhausting that would have been. And then he he mentions in the documentary, I think it was about the gambling thing, where he said that once people started talking, to, started like accusing him of having an addiction and stuff like that, that that's when he started closing himself off to the media mm-hmm. and not really being not really being as friendly. And yeah, and, he went uh, on like a two week hiatus, like just don't talk to me at all. I'm not gonna talk to you guys. Yeah, and so it's kind of like. And I get that part, too. Like, shit, I cannot imagine being swarmed, like, on a daily basis. Like, not being able to do anything at all mm-hmm. because, yeah, because of how famous he is. Like, he isn't able to step out of his... He isn't able to go anywhere and just be a regular person. Like, he doesn't... He's not able to ever be a, a normal person ever again. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, um, and I know this this one is not even over yet, but I was thinking about it today. Besides the obvious, because if another documentary like this comes out, which I feel like it's going to now or in the in the years to come, that I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure the next one's going to be the Lakers. Uh, who else could you see them doing a, a an event such as this? Not just like a because there's documentaries all over Netflix, but like yeah. an event like this. Um, I think, man, that's a good question. I think, I feel like the next thing just because of the current events I feel like the next thing would be like a like a Kobe biopic Mm -hmm. and then other than that I think I don't think uh, I feel like every team that kind of should be celebrated for their place in history already kind of has like a documentary or something like that so I feel like any like documentaries thereafter would kind of focus on controversies that never really got their due. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, I think there's enough material for a, a Kawhi documentary about why he left San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And then, like, uh, what else would guy. there be? <laughs> there I, would pir- defi- I would pirate the shit out of that. <laughs> I mean, there would there would definitely be a, do- a Warriors documentary about the Kevin Durant era. Mm-hmm. Um. What no, uh, no, um, 2014 season comeback story. Um, I don't think that there's enough material to kind of do something like like a like a Netflix or ESPN documentary about it. I feel like that justice is served through like the championship DVD mm-hmm. for that. I don't really, yeah, because I think, uh, yeah, and and I mean, two also the Spurs aren't very, um open about things i mean they like to keep things Mm -hmm. in house so i doubt that i doubt that that many of them would even like participate in this kind of thing Mm -hmm. but um yeah i I could see because it would be cool and not even just because i'm a biased fan but it would be cool to just see like an overall documentary of the dynasty like how the big three and like the unlikeliest of trios came to be one of the most powerful trios of all time in, in the sport but yeah, you're right. They probably wouldn't probably wouldn't be open to sitting down and doing that. 
the the tough part about it is that there aren't any individual like dynamic characters. Like there's nobody yeah. there's nobody with the charisma of Jordan or Rodman or even with like the personality of like Phil Jackson or anything like that. Like I mean all the guys on the Spurs kinda just kept to themselves and didn't really you know, they just they just talked about the game. They didn't really make things about themselves and you know, I think before the whole Kawhi Leonard situation, I think like the most controversial thing before that was maybe the time that the Spurs had Dennis Rodman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there could, there probably could be not a full on documentary, but I could see like a, sh- like a, like a short, like a short version of it, of like the time that Tim Duncan almost left or David oh, Robinson yeah. almost left. And, um, I mean, in the, in like his first couple years, Timmy was electric as fuck. Like he was, he was an athlete. Athlete, maybe not in attitude wise, but he was a young cat, so he was up and down all over the place. It, it was exciting to watch. Yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, and then another thing is you have to have like footage of those times, and I'm pretty sure there was no camera crews ever allowed in the in the locker rooms. Yeah, yeah, that would you know. Now that I think about it, that. If he if he had if there could there should be a documentary about that Orlando Magic team that could have been if everything went right for them because they already had Tracy McGrady and uh, and Grant Hill and then they were trying to add Tim Duncan to it and you know and a part of it too wasn't just that Tim Duncan stayed but also that Grant Hill got injured mm-hmm. and. For anybody who doesn't remember how good Grant Hill is, please go back and look up Grant Hill videos. Uh, I I personally am convinced that if he uh, never got injured, if he stayed healthy, he would have been up there in the breadth of like the top 10, 15 players in history. Kind of like that bridge between Michael and LeBron. Wow. That's a bold statement. You need to go back and watch Grant Hill highlights. That guy was really, really fucking good. And look up his stats, too. Like, he was amazing. Would you... Okay, who of the three would you prefer to take? And, like, if I could guarantee you they'd never get hurt at any point in their career. Uh, Grant Hill, Penny Hardaway, or Derrick Rose? Uh, Easily Grant Hill. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Easily Grant Hill. Holy shit. Okay. I might have to go back. Maybe I'm missing something. (laughs) That guy was really, really good. Wow. And also, well, Derrick Rose did not deserve that MVP. <laughs> Dude, Derrick Rose was going to be the second coming. He was crazy a freak down there. He got that MVP because everybody hated LeBron for going to Miami, and they didn't want to give it to him. Hey, they were. I remember that year, and, and I still... Guatemo, I don't know your last name, but I still have a video of it, and I'm looking for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that year, I was at uh, one of my buddy's uh, house parties, and his... His mom had like a bunch of friends over, and this dude was like, "Man, I was like, we were, I think we were 18 that year that they that the that the Bulls were looking like they were gonna make a run, and uh, yeah, we were all we had been drinking or whatever, and uh, this dude had been bragging all night about how much money he has, how much money he has, and he was at the time like 30 something, I think I was 18, and, on Chicago, uh, no, no, he was just bragging about how much money he had at first, and oh, then like we betting. started talking about no, yeah, and then we started talking about basketball. And uh, we he made me a bet that the Bulls were going to win. The, the, the playoffs hadn't even started yet. And he had made me a bet that the Bulls were going to win it all that year. And we bet $1,000 on it. And then they made it to the East to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think, that year. Yeah. And then he tore his ACL. And I remember I was I was back at school. I was in college. I was leaving my apartment, and my buddy called me because I, I had been sweating it. I was like, holy fuck, these guys are going to win. Yeah. And my buddy called me, and he's like, Dude, tell me you're watching TV. I was like, no, nah, I'm not. He's like, dude, you you probably just want a thousand dollars. I was like, why would happen? He goes, dude, because Derrick Rose just tore his ACL, and I've never been so happy at such a <laughs> devastating injury. <laughs> like, I was like, fuck yeah! But then I, I never found that guy. He just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he was. Um, yeah, man, that was, and it was in such a unnecessary situation. If you go back and look up that game where he first got hurt, like that injury that you're talking about. Because that was the first one, to, like, on a string of injuries that just ruined his career. But uh, in that game, like, he got injured with, like, two minutes left in a game that they were up by, like, 15. Like, he didn't need to be in it, and yeah. he got hurt. Like, that was – and I remember after the game, 
uh, Tom Thibodeau was the coach, and he was just nonstop getting shit about leaving Derek in the game and in, in, in a game that was pretty much already decided. Dude, that must he must have felt shitty. He must still feel shitty about that. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he never came back the same. Like, he, he obviously came back and played again, but he, you could tell, you could see it in his in his early years back from that injury, you could see the hesitation. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, he, and he, I think at first he was out for, like, almost, like, two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because he just, um, let me see here. Wait, hold on real quick. Because, let me see. He actually, you know, for a lot of... You know what's crazy is that he, uh, the numbers that he's putting up are, that he put up this past season were, I mean, he was obviously better in his MVP year, but they were not as far off as you think they are, which kind of goes, which kind of goes to show like how far like we've, uh, progressed our own mindset as to what an MVP caliber player is. Because he, uh, let me see here, because I think the year that he won it, it was uh, 2011, I think. Last yeah, year, yeah, yeah last year, like yeah, this past year he shot 49%, and that year he shot 44 and a half. And Man. Damn. Yeah. That, yeah, that year he averaged 25 points a game, seven assists, and four rebounds, and this past year he averaged 18 points a game, six rebounds, and, uh, no, sorry, uh, no, he averaged, uh, 3.4 rebounds and 8 ass- I'm sorry, no, the, the MVP <laughs> year uh, the MVP year was 25 points, almost 8 assists and 4 rebounds, and this past year was 18 points, almost 6 assists and 2.5 rebounds mm-hmm. so obviously better in the MVP year, but it wasn't like crazy off yeah, yeah. well I saw a stat uh, earlier, or it might have been yesterday of um, Steve Nash's MVP season he had like eighteen. I don't know. I think it was like yeah, eighteen points, yeah, like, or yeah, like seven, seventeen points a game and like yeah. eleven assists or something like that. And then it was like identical to Kyle Lowry's like twenty sixteen or like his most one of his most recent seasons. And people were laughing because they were like, "Ha Imagine Kyle Lowry as MVP. Like, like we can't yeah. even. We we literally laugh at the fact that people could win MVP with that with those stats. Dude, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually was well, like this past weekend. I went back and watched a game between the Spurs and the Suns in 2005. Not even the playoffs. It was a regular season game. I remember because that was the first year that, you know, the Steve Nash Suns were really, really good. Everybody thought that they were going to win the championship. And then it was, and then the, they were playing in Phoenix. And I, rem, I remember this game because we, I was on a UIL trip that same day of the game. And once we got to San Antonio and I turned on the TV, I saw that they were down like 17 in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And so I just and so I just turned it off and thought they were going to lose because back then a 17 point lead meant something. Yeah. And um, and uh, then I, I, I wake up the next day and see that they came all the way back, <laughs> won it in overtime and Manu had 48 points. Jesus and I was like, Christ. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? That's like. <laughs> To me, to me, I went back and watched it, and to me, that's that's the best regular season Spurs game ever. Mm-hmm. Like that was such a good game. It's it's on YouTube, and it yeah, was, I'm gonna have to check that out. And it's funny to watch this game because we hear so much about how that Phoenix Suns team like revolutionized the offense, and you know they like because they shot so many threes, and they kind of like paved the way for the way that teams are shooting now, and. They didn't really shoot that much. You you yeah. look up you look up those stats and it's like I mean, yeah, they did shoot more, but I mean compared to the compared to today's game, like it ain't shit. Like, yeah. Like he shot a they shot a few more threes, but it, like uh, let me see here. How many did they Let me see. Team. They averaged they averaged 24.7 three-point attempts a game <laughs> and let me see 24.7 three-point attempts a game and let me see you compare that to the spurs this past season where did, where who, did they who, who are not a majority three-point shooting team by the way yeah exactly like nobody like that was the one thing that everybody got on them about was that they did not uh that they did not shoot any threes at all. Like everybody saw them as like the worst three point shooting team in the <laughs> league. They averaged twenty eight point seven this past year. That's the Spurs. They, 
Yeah, they shot more than that Phoenix Suns team that everybody thought was a was a just like an onslaught of offense back then. <laughs> yeah, dude, the game the game has sincerely changed. Yeah, but no, you should definitely. I'll send it to you. You should watch that game. I mean, other than just like seeing how different the game is, like it's just, it was just a really really good game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm down to watch that. Yeah, but um, let me see. Um, before we get into the Cowboys schedule and stuff. I just wanted to just like take quick note on some of the other things that were happening in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently starting tomorrow, May 8th, some practice, uh, the NBA is allowing teams to open up their practice facilities. They're not obligated to, but they're, they are able to, if they want to. And a lot of teams are saying that they're not going to until things are much more safer amid the coronavirus outbreak. And obviously that includes the Spurs that they're not willing to, to play at this moment, that they're probably just going to wait it out until they come up with something safer or they're in the clear. And I think I think of all the teams, there are only like two that are actually going to start practicing. And, yeah, uh, and, and, and that's, that's – so are they – I guess then they're planning to pick it back up? You would think so, but there hasn't been like any conversation about – when that's going to happen. And I know that, you know, because they need, like, these teams to, uh, you know, be back in shape to to finish out the year, I think that, they, the, that the goal was to give every team, like, a month's notice before the season resumed. But, I mean, we haven't heard anything close to that. And uh, so, I don't know. I just thought that was pretty interesting to put out there is that they're trying to... I mean, they're kind of playing at both sides, like allowing teams to open it up, but also not indicating that the season is not going to come back. So, uh, who, who are the teams? Did you t- did you say who the teams were that were doing it? Um, let me see. Uh, let me see. It was. Uh, let me see if I could find it. Only, okay, here we go. Um, it is only the Cavs, the Blazers, and the Nuggets are gonna yeah, kind of need it. Not the Blazers. <laughs> Actually, yeah. the Nuggets are good too. Yeah, the only yeah, those are the only teams that um, are going to resume practice. Which I mean, kind of shows like how pointless it is. It's like, sure, you can say that teams can practice again, but there's only three teams that are gonna be practicing, yeah. and only one of them is a playoff team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. And then it kind of and it's kind of contradictory too because then there is news like a week or so ago that the lottery and the draft are are postponed and they're going to reschedule that too really and yeah and so everybody is uh cuz i mean the, the the draft always happens after the season right and so i think everybody is trying to push for having the draft you know happen after the season if they if they do decide to reopen the season and so now um the lottery usually happens uh, the the draft the lottery usually would happen around this time, and the draft usually is like at the end of June, mm-hmm. and I think now they're trying to shoot for sometime in August to do the draft. And oh, so, sure. yeah. So if you're gonna delay the draft, probably gonna delay the season even further. So, I don't know. The um, I read uh, just a little while ago that the NFL has a contingency plan already. Like they've, uh, I guess they've done whatever they have to do to make sure that that Tampa Bay Stadium is not used for like six weeks. Like all the month of February and March is going to be open just in case they have to push it back four to six weeks or whatever. They'll still have that stadium available. Like oh, really? there, there is nothing in the world that's going to stop Roger Goodell from starting his or from getting his fucking Super Bowl money. Oh yeah. I fully expect there to be an NFL season once uh, to open up as scheduled. That's what, that's what oh, I was no. telling uh, my buddy. I was like, nah, the, the NFL will never let that. They're, like, they'll pay somehow and find some scientists and create a vaccine. They're going to do whatever they have to to keep their cash cow moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but real, real quick, before we get into the schedule, I saw another another couple of things. Oh, yeah. Was that um, Sean Marks, former Spur, now general manager of the Nets, mm-hmm. did not rule out Kevin Durant returning if the season were to resume. Wow. Do they have and a chance? If they got Kevin Durant, maybe. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he was saying that, you know, they're not going to rush him and, you know, they're going to assess things once they know when the season is resumed. But they said that he was, you know, on track to uh, con- on 
you know, on his rehabilitation, that he was looking good before everything had to be shut down. And I think there was some mention, too, about the about him being invited to the Olympics if they were to happen this year. And so I think that would kind of be an indication that if the season resumes much later on, like if, like if we still have like a couple more months before we see basketball again, we might see Kevin Durant. Who knows? Do you think the same is going to go for Clay Thompson? Uh, so, well, we haven't really heard anything at all about Clay Thompson this year. As, I mean, I would assume so because he, even though he tore his ACL, like ACL injuries nowadays are not that career threatening, and they usually can are usually are healed within like nine to twelve months. Mm-hmm. So, I think I would think maybe they would have to think about that too, but. Or, you know, at the same time, I mean, the Warriors aren't going to make the playoffs, so who knows, yep. maybe they just want to keep them out to drive up their uh, odds in the lottery. Yep. And um, also another thing, too, last thing, was that there have been – there it hasn't been, like, reported that there's been any interest, but the argument is being made now that if the season were to be canceled, that may be in the favor of the Warriors in their pursuit to get Giannis and Tedekumpo. Because if he, this was Milwaukee's best chance mm-hmm. of getting the championship and they have... He has one more year left on the deal, but if he thinks to himself, like, this past year was probably the best it's going to get and who knows what's going to happen next year with Milwaukee, maybe I need to start exploring my other options. And then that could be where the Warriors go all in and try to trade as much as they can to get him what we need to do is go out and get his two brothers because because <laughs> he said that his dream is to one day play on all on the same team with all, with all three of them so if we yeah. go out and get his two brothers and then milwaukee will lose next year anyways then we have <laughs> two betting chips on our side and, and, and maybe san antonio suddenly seems more appealing yeah milwaukee and dallas are ahead of you on that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. But we'll we'll find a way. Yeah, but shit, man. I mean, it's it's gotten at that point in the season where we don't know what's happening, so we're gonna st- we're gonna start back up the Giannis to Golden State rumors again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. God, I hope not. <laughs> man, yeah, we would be so screwed if that were to happen. Everybody, everybody would be. Le- LeBron <laughs> would be pissed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about the Cowboys schedule now. So tonight was the same night that the uh, the NFL season uh, schedule for next year was officially announced. It's just uh, on the recording time. It was just officially released a few minutes ago. And um, for the Cowboys now in a uh, let's see this uh, this is still a 16 game schedule, right? The 17 yeah. game schedule starts next uh, year. No, this is yes, yeah. This is still a 16 game schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So sixteen games, and then it looks like we open the year at Los Angeles against the Rams, um, and then we have a, a stretch where let me see who do we get on Thanksgiving? We get Washington, and then after that we got another Thursday game against Baltimore. Ooh, and then in the game after that on December thirteenth, we face we yeah, face punk boy. bitch Joe Burrow. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Anything about the schedule stand out to you? Um well, we usually first of all, we usually start the season in New York and we end it with Philadelphia, but that's a little different here. I think um let's see, let's see. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be actually shit, it's not an easy schedule to start off with. But I prefer that. I prefer it tougher in the beginning. We got the Rams, which I think we should be able to handle that. Actually, I'll call that one a win. Um, at home versus Atlanta is going to be a little tricky because they have they they got Todd Gurley. They did let go of Austin Hooper. That's got to mean that they got somebody waiting in the wings and at tight end that they're confident in. Um, obviously, Julio, Julio and Calvin Ridley are a good good duo. Mm-hmm. Um, then we're at Seattle. Uh, who did Seattle get in the? In the draft. Oh, they got the the linebacker from Texas Tech. I think we could take the Seattle game. We usually win in Seattle, but we'll lose in Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. 
at home against Cleveland, I think we we have we we got that one on lock. Unless Baker Mayfield decides to finally be a top tier quarterback, um, or if Miles Garrett swings his helmet. Yeah, earlier if than he's back, I don't know if he's going to be back. They haven't said how how long he's. Oh no, it was just last season, right? That he was going to be. Yeah, I th- yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I saw that they ended his suspension. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then at home versus the Giants, we should have that one on lock. At home versus Arizona, that's going to be tougher than it looks. Um, they added, yeah, that's a sneaky they, game. They had some good additions. Yes, yeah, so they might be they might be trouble to deal with. Um, I think we sweep Washington. I think we we win in Philadelphia, week eight. Beat Pittsburgh. Beat the Vikings. No, the Vikings will lose to the Vikings at home against Washington. We'll sweep Washington. Baltimore is going to be tough, man. I, I'm 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 like thankful for that toss up that we got though. We got the Redskins on Thanksgiving, so that should be good. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati, we're gonna fucking molly whop them. We might even beat them. <laughs> we might beat them so bad that Dak won't have to play the last two quarters, and then we could put in Andy Dalton in there just to slap around Joe Burrow. <laughs> and then no. at home versus the Niners, I think the Niners take that. At home versus Philly, probably lose that one. Giants, we'll sweep the Giants. I think we have we have a pretty favorable schedule. We have it starts off not with the toughest part of our schedule, but with teams that are respected big names who can't we can't just say or people can't just say because year after year people are saying yeah but they got an easy schedule they got an easy schedule that's why they're 3-0 whatever if we go 3-0 this year it's not you can't say that people can't say that if we trade if, even if we go 3-1 2-2 and is to be a good start over respected yeah. teams the middle yeah. of the schedule i think is 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 pretty manageable aside from minnesota and then the back end is the back end's pretty good too, actually, except except for the Baltimore game and the Niners. Yeah, it isn't. Granted, I mean, we thought about this last year too, but mm. this this year, I mean, in last last podcast, I mentioned that a that a good regular season for them should be at least eleven wins, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm still thinking that. Like, I don't see, you know, unless they completely fall on their faces again. Like, there aren't any there aren't that many like evident games that they're going to lose or have a good chance of losing. Yeah. The, the, and the best part about it is, um, that, Oh, the, Oh, the, the Rams are in their brand. Of course it's going to be that, you know why we're opening the season with the Rams is because they just got their brand new high tech, super badass stadium. And Jerry Jones will be damned if the Cowboys (laughs) aren't a part of that (laughs) unveiling to the world. Like, that's exactly why we're playing there. Yeah, uh, didn't he? I'm pretty sure there was a story where he he had, uh, what was it? He had, like, a consulting firm that assisted in them securing that stadium and, like, the name of it. So it's, like, so it's like kind of his stadium, too. Yeah, so it I, is. That's the way that he thinks about it. And then their, their training camp, the Cowboys training camp, is always in, Calif- in Southern California. They're playing. Yeah. They're playing their preseason game against the Chargers in that same stadium. So yeah, Jerry Jones is all over that place. Like whatever, you can throw the Rams logo on it, but it's gonna be the house of Jerry. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I, no, yeah. The best part about that that tough that tough uh, schedule at the end is that although we do play the Niners and Philly, those December games are at home. So we're not. We, ha- we don't have to be away from home against the Niners, and we don't have to go to the cold in December against Philly. Uh, we will be in the cold against the Giants, the Ravens. The Min- and, and, yeah, that that game against the Ravens, that's the last tough game on the road. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we got a pretty favorable home-and-away matchup. Minnesota's in a dome, so it doesn't matter. We got home against Pittsburgh. Yeah, we, we actually got really good, a, a pretty good schedule. Yeah, we only have to play two games really in the elements, and no one really expects us to win that Baltimore game anyway. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, all in all, could be could be better, could be worse. Mm-hmm. I think this is a solid schedule to for this new era, the Mike McCarthy era mm-hmm. of the team. So what what do you call it in the regular season? Uh, let's see. One, two. Five, sixteen and zero. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
10, 11, 12. Wow, dude, I think we... I, I can't say 12 and 4 because then people are going to think I'm fucking insane. But I, <laughs> I think we should be able to... Have, we, we should handle an 11 and 5 season. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think so too. And that should be enough for the division championship or a wild card. Yeah, it, def- it, should, it fucking should be enough. Especially because... Wait, are they implementing the new the new they are doing the playoff structure this year aren't they oh that starts this year too i think it does yeah i'm pretty positive that there's an extra playoff team this year oh shit yeah because i saw that they're going to give the top two teams uh uh or no how many so many it's how uh, how does it yeah remind us of the structure as, as it is right now it's the the division champion so it's the top four teams from the top team from each division sorry make up the top four seeds and then it's the two teams with the best, with the next best records, make up make up the two wild card teams. Um, however, now what they're doing, so it's six six teams from a, from each conference. I think now what they want to do is do seven teams from each conference, um, which would then really the only thing that is changing is that usually the one and the two seed have a bye week that first week of the playoffs. Um, with this new structure, only the one seed will have a bye week. The two seed will have to play that that last place wild card team. Okay, okay, yeah. So they absolutely should be making the playoffs next year. Yeah, yeah. There should if that structure is in place, there sh- there should be no excuse for us to not make it, except for Tom Brady is now in the NFC. So the Bucks have a have a much better chance at making it than they usually do. Yeah, yeah. There is that. They're definitely the X factor team. So, I don't know, but uh, and, and no, we don't play them. No, but, yeah, that's what I was looking at. I was like, wait, the, do we fucking play them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, no. So all in all, hopefully, well, one, hopefully we actually do see a season, mm-hmm, right. and two, hopefully it turns out a lot better than it did last year because it has all it has all the makings for a bounce back year, but we still gotta wait and see. Um, the itch is worth noting that the Bundesliga uh, which is the German sho- G- German soccer professional league will resume play on on the 16th of this month. So if everything goes well with the Bundesliga you can look for the next dominoes to fall and, and possibly the Premier League come back and then they're the worldwide sport so they could kind of set the tone for mm-hmm. the rest of us going through. Uh, there are fights this Saturday. There's a UFC match, so people are we're slowly but surely getting back into the groove. I, for one, think it's still kind of early, but yeah, hey, I mean, works, yeah, <laughs> I feel like we need to mention that Dana White is a fucking psycho. Yeah, trying yeah. to make them fight in an undisclosed island location. So. Yeah, there was no way that that was gonna work. And truthfully, we still have two days till finite, so it, it still could get canceled. My hopes aren't too high. Um, yeah, but right, really, right now, and and like I said, I, I do think it's too early, but I'm just itching so badly for any kind of sporting event that uh, I'm, I'm gonna watch it yeah yeah and especially since um i don't know uh it, it's it's weird to me because i mean this guy he's not going to be, go down as like one of like the legendary uh you know fighters in ufc history but i just fucking love watching justin gaethje fight like he might be my favorite fighter hey he because- might win dude he's got a good shot this weekend because he just I love that he just doesn't care yeah and like he he doesn't care if he's like already like halfway out of it and took one on the jaw like he's still mm-hmm. he's still gonna be swinging and I, th- I think it was his debut in the UFC like a few years ago against Michael Johnson mm-hmm. it it wasn't it wasn't a fight that it's probably not gonna be a fight that's gonna be remembered in like UFC history but you go back and watch that and that was like the mo- one of the most entertaining fights I've ever seen. It was like seeing him like halfway out of it, like seeing stars, and then coming back and knocking out Johnson. Like that was yeah. that was such such a cool fight. I he, love that one. Yeah, he's a he's a really well liked fighter, and and yeah, I think he he's got a really solid chance at pulling one out of out of the bag here against uh, Ferguson. The other uh, title fights Henry Cejudo Henry Cejudo versus uh, Dominic Cruz, who. Has been re- for as far as I know, he's been retired. Like, I don't know why he's coming back to fight, but yeah. But when he's on his game, Dominic Cruz. I mean, don't forget this guy used to rule that division. Like he he was the king in multiple organizations. He was the king. Um. So so yeah. he, he could be something to watch out for. Uh, Naganu and Rosenstrike is gonna be a barn burner. Those two heavyweights are gonna go at it. That's gonna be awesome. 
Mm-hmm. The, oh, Greg Hardy is fighting. For those of you who remember Greg Hardy from the NFL days, uh, he is not beating on his wife anymore. Now he's trying to beat up men in the UFC, so we'll see how that goes. And yeah. um, the one that surprises me, though, real quick before we go, is the, the uh, Cowboy versus uh, Pettis. That's on the undercard. Yeah, I know. This one is so stacked that they have so many good fights on the prelims. Mm-hmm. Like, they have Fabricio Verdum on the, on the prelim. And uh, even though neither of them are top contenders, Carla Esparza versus Michelle Waterson in the prelims, yeah. that's still really good. The karate and hottie. Then, and then Uriah Hall versus Ronaldo Souza. Like, this Yo, is that a, one's going to be badass. This is a stacked card yeah. from top to bottom. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. There, and then another thing is, like, I was talking to the guys earlier, and they were like, oh, well, they must have put Cowboy and Pettis on the undercard just so they can get more viewers to watch the prelims. And I was like, no, nah, homie. Like, first of all, there's a lot of good fights on the undercard. And second of all, dude, it could be, like, it could be a fighter in there against a paint can watching it dry, and, and somebody's going to, like, everybody's going to be watching it because everyone's yeah, aching if, for if, it. If, if, if any fighter streams their sparring sessions, that's going yeah. <laughs> that's, that's to have numbers go through the roof just because everyone is begging for something new. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be exciting to watch. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then, uh, anything more you want to wrap up here? No, I think we're good. Okay. All right, guys. Well, that was Double Shot Sports Podcast. As always, feel free to subscribe, send us questions. Um and we'll uh, we'll be back to follow up on the next episodes of The Last Dance. This uh, I guess we're gonna start covering UFC because there's nothing else to cover. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, hopefully other news comes up and uh, hopefully hopefully some safe news. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we'll see y'all next week. Have a good one.